Guys, welcome to the Tim Moen Show. Thanks for joining me. Um, it's been a been a hot second since I've been on the mic here, but uh, you know, I'm trying to get my stuff together, guys. Yeah, in my last podcast episode, I talked to my friend Lisa. We we're talking about uh, doing this self improvement program, 75 Hard, where we uh, spend 75 days doing two a day workouts, reading, uh, drinking water eliminating all vice from our life no not even a drop of alcohol has touched these lips in over two weeks because of this and in the vein of self-improvement i'm bringing on a guest that uh i'm hoping selfishly uh can guide me here because i made a lot of bad life decisions a lot of bad financial decisions i expected to be retired by the age of 40 i'm 50 and i'm now looking at uh, you know hopefully retiring by the time i'm 90 maybe my next guest here tony can get me on track tony Welcome to the Tim Moen Show. Tony is the author of uh, Freedom at Risk, a great book about uh, getting your your personal finances on track, protecting your your uh, freedom that way. And he does a great job of uh, of showing how all these different forces in society are working. You know, education, uh, government, economics, uh, the society in general, and the kind of the cultural yeah. narrative. Tony, thanks for joining me. Appreciate Tim, you. thanks for having me on. I appreciate this. This is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Okay. So you go by the dirty boots capitalist. What? Why dirty boots uh, capitalist, Tony? Yeah. So so I'm one of those guys who who believes on uh, you know boots on the ground, getting your boots dirty, and actually walking through. You know, not just like from from a real estate perspective. I love going on to uh, you know construction sites and looking at buildings, getting my boots dirty on the ground, looking at that you know, firsthand, but it goes beyond that, right? For, for me now, helping people get into real estate, it's beyond just going on site and getting your boots dirty, looking at the property. It's also walking through financial statements. It's also getting your boots dirty, walking through demographics and migration patterns. There's so much more to it today because our world is so much more complex today and so much more manipulated today that we have to understand all those different forces. Right. And to do that, we need to get our boots dirty in so many different ways. So yeah, that's where dirty boots came into play. But capital, I want to share with folks for, for your audience, capital. Capital is more than just money. I have so many folks who come to me, you know, who say, gee, Tony, I can't get into real estate because I don't have capital. I don't have money to get into real estate. And I'm like, well, what do you do? And somebody might be a contractor. Somebody may be a real estate agent. And I'm like, that's capital right there. Knowing, having the knowledge between your ears to be able to fix things, renovate things, know what the trends are, know what the real estate market is doing. That is capital. And for somebody right. who has the money, but doesn't have that particular capital that you bring to the, to the table that knows how to fix things, plumbing, electrical, whatever it is, you know, they would love to partner with somebody like that and put their hard-earned money to work with the mm -hmm. capital you bring to the table. So that's where I try to open up right. people's mind to a different vision of things. Yeah, I love that. Getting getting your boots dirty, uh, getting right in there. I, that's kind of been my um, MO as well. You know, I, uh, I got into real estate when I bought my, well, I guess it would be my second house. I actually built it myself. I, I looked around me and I'm like, okay, I want a specific type of house for my family. I'm going to hire a contractor to build it. But then I looked at my area and there was a housing boom going on and it was going to take a couple of years to get contractors to build the house I wanted. So I'm just like, well, shoot, there's YouTube and there's knowledge out there. I should be able to figure this out myself. These guys don't look like they're rocket scientists. I feel like I, I'm as smart as them. So, um, so I just figured it out and I built the house from the foundation, uh, the footings all the way up. Um, and you know, I electrocuted myself about six times trying to figure <laughs> out the lecture, but you know, we learn, you know, I didn't That's die. Great. So I learned. Um, so I love that idea of getting involved because quite often, you know, today we are, everything's abstract, right? It, it exists online and social media and we have all this information flying at us all the time. And like you said, it's a super complex world out there. We have, uh, stuff going on in, in the middle East right now. We've got Russia, Ukraine, we've got, uh, money printing going on and, and, uh, you know, just out of control inflation at yeah. the same time. Um, you know, we have central banks jacking up interest rates and that, that worrying homeowners. And so, you know, a guy like me who lives in the abstract mm -hmm. constantly, because 
you know, I come from the background of, of ideas and trying to, to convey ideas and running for office and different things like that is all about ideas and abstractions that kind of undergird our Western civilization. And they're important, but, but you get too wrapped up in your head, Tony. And so yeah. you know, you're, you're in house ownership and okay, we locked in at a low interest rate. That's good. Uh, but inflation's going up up uh they're jacking up the interest yeah. rates you know we we're trying to balance all this stuff and you're like well maybe um maybe maybe you know we'll get hyperinflation and you know then how does that affect what i'm doing with my house so it's it's how do you yeah. how do you tony advise people to kind of find their center and navigate through all this overload yeah yeah wow you 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 just shared so much there, so many different dynamics in a matter of, you know, less than 60 seconds, so many different dynamics that's happening, not just in the world, but also in people's personal lives. And they, uh, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of pressure there, there, there's a lot of, um, uh, paralysis there. What should I do? How should I do it? I don't know how to do it. And the media doesn't help right? The media just stirs the pot. The politicians just stir the pot. Um, yeah. So it's, it's really confusing. Uh, and there's no like one size fits all solution, uh, you know, that, that I, so to speak, can provide other than, you know, I don't leave it to the government to solve my problems, right? The government right. isn't going to come and solve our problems. Uh, if anything, they're just going to create more problems for us. And I think we've really seen it over the last three years. Um, so I, I don't really put any stock in that. I put more stock in people who are educators, people who are teaching things that I have either an interest in it, interest in, or that can help me in some way based on my interests. So my interests are, you know, to a large degree in real estate. So I hang with a very good, very knowledgeable real estate crowd, not only through like masterminds I belong to, but also uh, I watch their YouTube videos and they give a lot of education that help me personally. Now that's just right. me. For others, I would share things like, you know, if you already have a business or you want to be an entrepreneur of some sort, go seek out those masterminds, those meetups where you can be with your community. And this is something we talk a lot about is creating a community or joining a community, right? Where you belong with like-minded people, entrepreneurs, business people. If you're into stocks and, you know, doing uh, puts and calls and all sorts of investments like that join a community that can make you smarter, stronger, faster, right? Learn right. from each other, learn from that community, right? Don't leave it to government. Don't leave it to the education system. We know they're not strong, either one of those. Uh, we need to take it upon ourselves to go seek out that learning. So I like masterminds. I like YouTube. I like, you know, just fostering a community around myself, you know, locally and just across the country. So those are some ideas, but it all comes down to what, what are you searching for? What are you trying to build? What are you trying to get smarter at? I know, I know uh, folks who do homeschooling because they believe so much in, you know, raising their kids, a. a, a a certain way in educating them right these days, as opposed to what the education system is teaching these days. Uh, and I know that's a big hot button. And so for them, their family is super important for, for them. And so they're big into homeschooling and they belong to the groups and the clubs and mm. they create a community around that. So God bless them. That's great for them. I try to foster that and just try to pack on a little bit more uh, support and systems to help them. So, yeah. So Tony, you, you managed to retire at age 44, which was phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, walk, walk us through how, how you made that happen. So you, you just kind of yeah. talked about finding something you're passionate about, you're, you're interested about surround yourself with a community of like-minded folks that can elevate your game and, and, and yeah. keep you going. Is that, is yeah. that kind of the process you use? Like how did how did you get get started in this early retirement uh, yeah. thing? Yeah, th thanks for asking, Tim. Because you know, I don't, I don't just you know come on shows like yours and pontificate about things or just like Im imagineer this stuff. I mean, I walk, 
<laughs> I I talk the talk. I walk the line. I you got dirty I, boots, I, Tony. Hey, <laughs> so so I I can speak about it and I can share. You know, you know, my story is is a very simple one, and it's going to resonate with with a lot of your audience out there. So I'll just uh bear bear with me here a little bit, and I'll get to how I retired. Um, but I'm the product of immigrant parents, right? My parents immigrated to the to the U.S. of A. with a pocket full of change and a lot of hope and opportunity in front of them, right? They didn't have a lot. Uh, so they immigrated here. Uh, I'm one of four children and all of us were raised on, based on our parents, we were told, go to school, get a good education, you'll get a good job and you'll be taken care of for life. Yeah, Because that's what they knew and, and that was their world, right? My parents, probably like your parents, they probably worked in the same job for 30, 40 years, and then they retired. That's what my parents did, and that's all, all they knew. But when I, so I did just that. I went to school. I got a great education. I have a bachelor's of science in mechanical engineering, and I have my MBA, two pretty good degrees, I would think, right? Yeah. So I got a great education. I got a great job uh, at a tech company. And then shortly thereafter, I got laid off. Mm. And I was like, wait a minute. This wasn't part of the plan, right? No. This wasn't part in the in that mantra wasn't wasn't anywhere in there that I was going to get laid off. So, um, so I wasn't financially independent at that time. I couldn't support myself. I had some money in the bank, fortunately, but otherwise that was going to eventually run out. So I had to get another job, right? Which a lot right. of folks have, and again, they can resonate with that, you know, that aspect. Um, so. I had to get another job. But during that time, I had this realization like, I don't want to tie my financial future solely to a job and to a company, not knowing whether there's going to be loyalty there. In fact, loyalty on either end, either loyalty from the employer with the employee or the employee with the employer. Today, there's much, much less loyalty on both sides than there was, say, 30, 40 years ago, much less loyalty. Absolutely. So, uh, I said, okay, to, to get me, um, to get me to that financial freedom, that independence, I needed to do something different. And I knew enough about, you know, um, you know, fixing things around the house. Again, I grew up in a, you know, with immigrant parents that, you know, they didn't hire out fixing things. They fixed it themselves. And I was the helper. I was go right. get this tool or that tool yeah. or help with this. Right. So I had learned some growing up working with my father. So I was handy enough. Um, so long story short, that's what, you know, kind of uh, inspired me to get into real estate because I didn't know some of that how to already. So I right. bought my first building and some people think, oh, my God, you're you're in real estate. You retired at 44. You must have got you know, you must have bought like, you know, 100 units or something like that. Not so. I started with a very small four unit building, something mm. very simple that a lot of people can start with. And I hope this this inspires folks to, you know, not feel like to get there. You have to start in a huge way. Start small, you know. All right. Buy a condo, that's cash flowing. Buy a single family home, that's cash flowing. A couple hundred bucks a month or something, right? You know, we always want it to cash flow. So um, so I bought a, a four-unit building. It was cash flowing, doing well. I continued my education, you know, buying books, uh, going to some seminars, speaking with some friends of mine. My community, again, going back yeah. to my community that I knew was in real estate, educators that could, people who have done it, and, you know, I could see, I wanted to be more like them. So I followed their, their path. Um, so yeah, so uh, after that, I bought a duplex and then I bought a triplex. I bought a lot of small buildings. And then eventually I had enough small buildings that anybody can do, anybody can go off and buy to be able to, that replaced my income. It was enough to cover all my expenses, right? That income from real estate was able to cover all my expenses. So I was cash flow positive at the end of the day. And at 44, I had that decision of, do I want to stay working in the corporate world? Which was a great, great job. Very hard decision to leave that. But the real estate component just provided me so many more freedoms mm. uh, in my life and so much more opportunity that I had to go in that direction. 
right. because of that, I mean, that's that's the reason why being able to, you know, take some of those chances and do that, um, you know, that boots on the ground, uh, you know, philosophy. I was able to retire and now I'm doing all sorts of, you know, amazing things that I never thought I'd be doing, you know, like right. writing a book. You know, you, you mentioned yeah. that and I appreciate you bringing that up. I never thought I was going to write a book. Right. And maybe many of your audience uh, listeners here, you know, maybe they thought they would never write a book. But you know what? If you have it in you, if you have it to, to educate folks and help people, why not? It's so yeah. accessible today. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm going to put a, a link to your your web page in that book below, folks. Just look down in the show notes for a link to that. I highly recommend it. Uh, I'm about halfway through and I'm picking up lots of uh, great things right now. Um, OK, a lot of my uh, audience, including myself, are, are you know, convinced we need to do something. We need to get control of our finances. We can't leave this. You know, I even look at, at my daughters and they're, uh, they're paramedics. They're in the kind of following in the same uh, profession I, I'm in. And unfortunately, in my province, in, in a country where healthcare is um, uh, universal, uh, we, we have one employer. And that employer mm. sucks, Tony. It's it's <laughs> yeah. a terrible it's a terribly toxic mm. environment. I mean, you know, it, and and so it, it's not a matter of um, it, it's kind of a forced loyalty. It's a one way loyalty. I, we have to be loyal to the employer. They don't have mm. to have any loyalty whatsoever to us. It's like the worst uh, situation you can be in. And I and I'm yeah. you know looking at my kids, going, man, I I see the the struggles they're going through. Uh, dealing with the employer and I'm, I'm like okay how do i how do i advise them going forward here like i haven't made good financial decisions myself i'm terrible with money um yeah i cashed in my my pension to run for prime minister in 2015 and uh you know that was uh, yeah I, I don't really have any regrets i that's a, a life experience that um mm. you know i wouldn't wouldn't want to trade but it has made me realize okay now uh, you know, I can't just rely on my employer bankrolling my retirement anymore. Uh, I started all over again in my profession as, as a probationary firefighter in my mid forties, um, mm. with all the young guys just starting their careers. And, and, uh, that's kind of where I'm at. I love my job, but I know that, at, you know, I'm not going to be able to kick in doors and hump hoses around, yeah. uh, for much longer. So, uh, yeah. so what, what can a person with, um, without yeah. a lot of money, without a big nest egg, yeah. uh, maybe, maybe, and especially right now, just struggling paycheck to paycheck, just to put food on the table. How can they get yeah. money working for them rather than working for money all the time? Yeah, I, I, that's a great question. I love that question. I get it, uh, quite, uh, quite often yeah. <laughs> actually, because not everybody is into, uh, real estate, uh, like I am. Uh, and that's okay. You you don't have to be. Uh, there's other things you can do. And I'm I'm going to share a couple of stories. So I have um, a couple of friends who were in very similar situations, like you're describing, right? Working a job, trying to get ahead, trying to make a little extra coin. You know, put it away for retirement or for a vacation, whatever it is, right? I had a friend. Uh, he's a police officer, and uh, you know he sees society each and every day, the good and the bad. Uh, he sees break-ins into cars, into houses, drugs, whatever it is. Um, so he and I were talking one day and he was talking about starting up his own um, uh, home security business, right? And I said, wow, that's that's a great idea, right? And so, you know, we kind of hashed it through talking a little bit more about it. And so now he goes into homes to evaluate a person's home where they might need extra locks, which locks to use, how to fortify windows and doors, where to put security cameras, where to put decals, different things. Now, he's a police officer. How much authority do you think he brings to the table as a police officer who sees this crime each and every day? That's yeah. huge. That's a huge, you know, feather in his, in his cap in terms of somebody calling him. I would much rather call him and say, hey, come come do an evaluation on my home. I'll pay you a hundred bucks to do an evaluation. And then you tell me what I need to do. Okay. 
So it doesn't cost him anything in terms of startup. He doesn't have any inventory or any, you know, real, right. um, you know, uh, costs. Uh, so he starts that up, tells people what needs to do. And oh, by the way, he's connected with uh, with an electrician, people who after he does his evaluation and they say, oh, yeah, I'll go buy that, whatever it is, $2,000 system, $5,000 security, set, whatever it is. He then turns that work over to his installer, right? Who right. installs it during the day while he's working his his uh, his his beat as mm. as a police officer, right? And he gets a cut of that, whatever he gets. I don't know what he gets, but he gets a cut of that for making that sale, right? So he he's creating this business for himself because he's the same way as you. He's kind of like you know, hey, I'm not going to be able to do this job for the rest of my life, running around after after these knuckleheads. Uh, I'm not going to be able to do that. For, you know, in, into late into retirement. So he's looking at it saying, I got to create something else for myself. Now, that's one example. I have another friend who was in the military, the U.S. military, you know, life, lifelong military guy. He's been overseas. He's seen war. He's seen so much devastation, right? Now what he does here in this country, he's created a business for himself to help people be more uh, self-sustaining in terms of, if there are power outages, if there's a storm, if there's some sort of uh, event, what do you need to have in place? How do you protect your perimeter, right? So do you need cameras on your perimeter? What do you have for a water supply, right? Maybe mm -hmm. we should, you know, prepare you to have a certain water supply. What do you have for food on site? What do you have for um, if the banking system goes down? How do you prepare for that? Because he's seen it overseas. People be saying, and, and all they have is like two shekels, right? And they're like... Right. How do I pay for my food? Right. He hmm. helps people kind of create that that um, that that starter kit to help them. And now's the time to do it. Right. Because some of this stuff takes, you know, it takes years to put in place. You, you, you know, you may not have the resources to put everything in place today, but over three years, you put a little bit and then a little bit more and a little bit more. And so he's created this business where he's really helped people have this self-sufficiency and not depend on the government to come save you every single time, right? Yeah. Which yeah. I love. I, 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 and I know you love that too, right? As right. As absolutely. I mean, le less government is better government in my eyes. <laughs> so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, you, you speak a little bit, um, uh, you know, a lot of us libertarians spend a lot of time focused on things that are outside our control, you know? government's bad there's all these yeah. forces it seems like uh you know uh, the apocalypse is inevitable at this point um and and yet we can't do and seem to do anything about it but the thing we can do and, and one of the things i've done is, you know over the past few years is shift gears to focus on more on things that are within my control i think we still need to be aware of politics and try to influence yeah. uh, that landscape to the degree we can but i think yeah libertarians have this this problem with balancing that focus with hey let's focus on things you can actually control that will actually yeah. tangibly increase your liberty uh right here now in this moment and in the in the coming years ahead despite all the bad things government's going to do that we can't control yeah. um you're you're an expert at uh you know you're expert I, I love what you talked about and those stories are so great because th they basically speak to this idea of hey look at what your where your interests are look at what your as uh, i think scott adams talks about having a, a talent stack right what are your talents and yeah. let's stack those up and find that yeah. niche where all all those talents you have kind of align the military guy being able to prepare people for for you know survival situations the cop being able to talk about home yeah. security because he's got those talents what are your talents? Uh, it sounds like you kind of did the same thing. Uh, I, I suspect there's a lot of folks because we all have some interest in real estate. Uh, I mean, certainly, for, well, first of all, young people I know um, have, are having a harder and harder time mm. um, getting into the real, getting yeah. their own primary residence, right? So maybe can you talk a little bit about some of the forces going on that are really contributing to what you call a renter nation? Yeah, wow. There's 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 a lot uh, to unpack there. Um, I I 
chat a lot about how the next generation is going to, this will be the first, first time where I'm looking at history and looking at the future, where this is going to be the first time where the next generation is very quite possibly going to have it harder than we've had it, right? Uh, in the past, every generation has wanted better for their kids, uh, and they, they achieved it. Each generation had, you know, better and better and better. I think this is the first time where uh, that next generation, those millennials, some of the millennials and the Gen uh, Z are going to have it worse, unfortunately. And right. it's not their fault. It's just the way things are constructed. Back in the day, when my parents and your parents started out, you know, they got married. They eventually bought a house because that was their investment. Their investment was investing in buying a house and putting their money towards that. And that just that's just what they did during that time, right? Today, these kids, these young people, their investment is being pushed into college education. Mm. And that's not their fault. That's just what they're taught and fed and what's built around them is go to school, get an education, right? Pay for college, get student loans. That's their investment is in college. That's where their money goes to a large degree. So right. when, when they start, they don't really. And Tony, as, as, as you and I know, uh, college education has vastly outstripped uh, the rate of inflation in terms of, of uh, yeah. how, how much it affects your bottom line. I mean, yeah. when you give kids money at almost no, you know, first of all, everyone is approved for credit, no matter how how uh, risky you yep. are, and you get it at such a low rate, and you can never be absolved of that debt. You can never declare bankruptcy. Yeah. I mean, that those factors drive are obviously drive up the cost of education, and so now you're right. And and what do we tell kids? We've always told them go to college, get a good job, right? Yeah. And uh, so what we've done is harness them with a with a huge debt uh, yeah. that, um, you know, all, all the good intentions behind that suite of policies yeah. has led to shackling them uh, yeah. with debt. So sorry, I just wanted yeah, to. Add no, that no, in. no, no. And so that that's just, you know, kind of I don't want to say it's their fault. It's not their fault. It's just what is today. Right. Right. Uh, so we, we agree on that, you know, but, you know, upon coming out of school, uh, out of college, getting a job, I share with folks instead of, you know, and some of this is personal sacrifice too, mm -hmm. which to retire at 44, I took personal sacrifice, right? Sure. I, while I was working again, just a side, side note, side story here, because I think it's important to, for folks to hear some of these side stories because it's real. This was real life, right? I didn't get to retire at 44 because, you know, uh, somebody gave it to me. I went after it. Uh, so I was working my day job you know, uh, you know, seven, 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. typically. But I, there was a stint where I was building um, uh, spec homes myself. Mm -hmm. I bought the land, put in the foundation, build up the, you know, put the sticks in place, put the floor, right? The whole bit. And so I was doing that. Where did I find the time? You know, I tell people there were days at 3 a.m. in the morning, I was at that spec home installing wood floor, wow. right? 6 a.m., I'd go, take a rag, wash all the, you know, sawdust off of me, clean up a bit, right? Put on my work shirt, my work pants on the construction site, right? You know, yeah. go to work for the for the next, you know, uh, eight to 10 hours. After that, I come back to the construction site, turn the yeah. compressor on, turn the nail guns, guns back on, and off I go. I'm installing wood floors, you know, for the next, you know, three, four hours. I did it because I had to. There was a personal sacrifice. So today right. what I share with folks is, Yes, coming out of school, you might have a little bit of money in your in your pocket. You hear the media buying a home, buying a home. You know what? Instead of buying a single family home, buy a duplex, buy a mm. triplex, right? Something that is going to also generate income for you so you can help pay the mortgage. Maybe it doesn't pay right. the entire mortgage, but it generates something for you. So, yes, everybody wants the single family home with the white picket fence and the big backyard for the dog and the kid and the, the, I get it. But upon starting out, Start with something like that. That's actually going to pay you some something each and every month, right? Mm. If you can't do something like that, do what's called house hacking, right? Where 
okay, so you buy a single family home, but you have one or two extra bedrooms, right? Rent out those one or two extra bedrooms. Yeah. I know people who have done that, right? Again, you're not going to make a killing, but it's it's something to give you some additional cash flow, right? Yeah, if yeah. you're handy, if you're a handy person, um, and you and you happen to buy a single family home or you have a single family home, go to your town and try to figure out if you can add what's called an accessory dwelling unit, an ADU. I, I suspect you folks uh, in Canada also have that as well, right? Where you can yeah. add an extra unit onto your single family residence. And now it's like an in-law apartment you can rent out for, for income each and every month, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, so there's uh, three ideas that young people can go off and do. It's a very doable thing. There's some personal sacrifice in there. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I don't deny it. But, you know. Uh, yeah. You I prefer to... to use the term. It's a trade, right? You're trading short-term gratification for long-term gratification for more sustainable. Right. Um, but let me ask you this, because one of the things that come to mind are, Tony, how do were you married at this time? How did you get uh, buy-in from in, in terms of your personal relationships? Because <laughs> obviously there's some sacrifices that have to go on there. And, you, you know, one thing I've learned is you need your significant other to be on board with a lot of these uh, harebrained schemes, uh, <laughs> at least in, in my life. <laughs> I had to have that. Uh, what Do you got any tips or tricks or how did you navigate those waters? My, my, my biggest uh, tip is make sure your partner and and you are aligned so right. important that your your goals and your vision is right. aligned uh, unfortunately uh, when I got started I didn't understand that well enough and our our goals our vision weren't aligned um, and that resulted in in divorce mm. um, but uh, I am in a very good great successful relationship right now uh our our belief system our values are very much aligned we support each other i mean there's there's yeah. <laughs> that you know i i go and i i you know uh speak across country i i bring my you know uh, my girlfriend with me uh we have a great time we stay in nice places typically these conferences are are in nice places so we stay there it, you know and so there's such a good support network there. We, you know, yeah. <laughs> I tell a funny story where we wake up pretty, pretty early. Uh, uh, Sally and myself, we wake up pretty early. And so many times we're up at like 5 a.m. We're watching the news or hearing some stories from overnight. And we'll be having conversations at 5 a.m. about communism mm. or That's some true. other debate like that. Yeah. And uh that just reinforces that that we're aligned. We have the same sort of belief system. We, we're inquisitive, just naturally right. inquisitive, and we're always both of us. We're we're testing where truth lies, mm. because with the media, with the politicians, what's what you don't know where truth is. It's 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 obscured. So you have to have these kind of critical thinking conversations back and forth to try to figure that out. And right now we're, you know, me and my partner, we're, we're totally aligned. Uh, right. And that's one of the biggest things I, I would share with young people or folks who are starting out going into doing any big thing, whether it's uh, starting your own business as an entrepreneur or going into real estate, whatever it is, make sure your goals are aligned. Super important. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, you know, it's worth having uh, conversations about like, about your values, where you want to go as, as a couple, right? It's like, okay, we could, we can afford to go on two tropical vacations this year, or we could downgrade to one and get a rental place and focus on our early retirement. What, what, what do we think as a couple should be our goal? Right. And, um, you know, coming back to those long-term goals, re, you know, at least quarterly talking with your spouse, how are we on track? Are, is our spending habits, following our value, the values that we espouse and, and subscribe to. I think that's so important. Um, okay. I, I think I kind of um, sidetracked you there a little bit, but could you talk a little bit about, um, so I guess the main thing that's creating, um, I guess, an opportunity in, in the rental market, we could look at it as, as negative, right? It, there's not mm -hmm. as much home ownership or it's more difficult, but what is the opportunity there that for, for um, real estate investors that there's so many renters now? What, what does the horizon look like? 
in real estate investing? So today, with the high interest rates, with the housing prices being where they are, um, it it can be difficult to buy property that is going to cash flow on day one. Right. Um, that's that's just the reality. I don't think that's any uh, shocking uh, revelation here uh, on on your show. Um, but where there is opportunity is if you're willing to be more of a passive real estate investor, it's investing in syndications. And hmm. you know it's for some some people and it's not for other people. but the the thing with real estate syndications and a real estate syndication is nothing more, than a bunch of people getting together, pooling their money together to be able to go off and buy a piece of real estate. That's all it is. A bunch of people, a community coming together, pooling their money together to go off and buy a big piece of real estate they ordinarily wouldn't be able to buy. And so what that does is it gives you more, more leverage as an investor because you may be new to the real estate game and you may not know fully all the rules of real estate and how to do real estate well but if you're pooled in a community with others there's going to be others who take the lead who know how to invest who know how to negotiate contracts who know how to select the right property managers who know how to negotiate insurance contracts who know on and on and on right right uh, so that's one of the benefits of being in a uh, real estate syndication is you get okay. all that expertise without necessarily bringing it yourself. The other thing is you're coming along for that ride and you're learning, right. you're getting an education. Not only are you investing and cash flowing from, from that syndication, you're also participating. You're in these meetings, you're learning, you're talking to folks. How does this work? Why did that happen? What should we do? You know, talking about maybe value add projects. Why should we do that? Or why shouldn't we do that? What's happening in the market, right? So you're also getting this great education along the way, which, which I think is, which I think is fantastic. So, right. so that's a little bit about syndication, just to kind of put that in people's ear. But I also want to mention, you know, I think folks have a, um, uh, a misconception of hard money lenders, right? So for folks who may not have the full down payment to go buy an investment property themselves, say a trickle, triple decker or a duplex, you don't have it at all. You can go to a hard money lender and, and some folks will say, oh, I don't want to go to them. You know, if I don't pay, pay them back, they're going to break my kneecaps or no, 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 it doesn't work like that. Um, you know, the thing that is so great with hard money lenders is they're experienced. So if you are new to the real estate game, not only can they provide you with some amount of that down payment to do the investment you want to do, but they also bring experience. They are not going to lend their money to somebody, to some project right. that the numbers aren't going to work. So if you are not experienced, hmm. they're going to run through the numbers. They're going to make sure that the property cash flows well enough to make sure they get their money back. Right. So right. they're going to be looking at their best interests, which, you know, yeah. as a result, you, you're going to get the, the dividends of the goodness they bring to the table on analyzing that deal. They'll say, you know, we're not going to invest in this deal. And if they don't invest in it, you shouldn't either. Right. So. Right. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. So, so hard money lenders, I guess, what would they, they'd be like a private uh, mortgage company or something like that. Yeah. Or, yeah. Okay. So I, I could totally see there being um, opportunities in that marketplace for a hard money lender, because a lot of times you go to the bank and, you know, it's, it's kind of just a check sheet, right? Just a generic they're looking at your credit rating. They're looking at, they, they have certain things and, and the, the mortgage um, advisor, whatever you're sitting down with at the bank is, you know, it's not their money. So, um, yeah. you know, they're, they're going to be very conservative uh, and not, they're, they're not incentivized to do the extra work to see yeah. if you're a really good fit for their money or not. Whereas yeah. these guys, you know, they look, Hey, you know, well, me, me as an example, you know, uh, I'm, I'm a little leery of real estate. I've had bad experience. I, I um, 
at the same time I cashed in my retirement uh, pension, Tony, I had a rental uh, property in a community called Fort McMurray, which hmm. was struck by a wildfire. It, you know, the whole town evacuated, hmm. thousands of homes burned, uh, devastated the community. Mine was one of the houses that got damaged uh, in the fire. And my, you know, my property was, or mortgage was already underwater because my renters were, were not paying me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was going through a process there and then I had huge delays with, uh, insurance. So I ended up, uh, getting, having it foreclosed on me. And, uh, so now I'm in a position where I want to buy a home again and banks are looking at me go like, Oh, you have a foreclosure. You're not a good, but it was private money, money lenders that were like, are these hard money guys that would say, Oh no, you, you've got a good record this was kind of acts of god and bad yeah, things a one off it's a one off thing and so we yeah. can trust you again so i yeah. i totally see where that hard money thing comes in but talk to me a little bit tony about uh syndication cuz now that appeals to me more than going it alone it's like okay i have some weaknesses i i did this personality test tony uh jordan peterson understand myself and to my despair and embarrassment i scored like 0 on conscientiousness, right? Dotting I's and crossing T's and attention to detail, keeping books, all those things are way outside my wheelhouse. I have no interest in it and and it shows. And, and, but you need that in order to protect your bottom line. And so I can, any endeavors where I've been successful, I've always outsourced conscientiousness. I've always had a partner who Mm. was good at the things I was bad at. And I was able to be the creative, open-minded looking at opportunities guy while they were protecting my back end. Sure. So I can see that being a benefit going the syndication route. How do you get involved in a syndication? Do you start one yourself? How talk me through that? How do, how do I? Sure. So, um, so I, I have my own syndication where we do deals with, with others, but you know, I, I'm not, I'm not here. I don't want it to to be like a sales pitch. I'm not here to sell anybody on anything. I just, I'm truly here to just help people. Uh, and that's really all, all I want to do. So what I would share with people is, you know, don't invest in the sur- the first syndication you, you come by, um, you know, maybe, uh, you know, seek out a few of them. Uh, there's a lot of folks that, you know, will come to me and I, I don't even, you know, so to speak, take them into my syndication, maybe because I don't have a deal or something like that. I have like three or four other syndicators that I know of that I trust that I, I, I appreciate what they're doing and their knowledge and what they bring to the table. I send these folks over to those syndicators, right? Because they're not all syndicated syndications are created equal either. Right. So from the standpoint of some will purchase a property that cash flows on day one. And that may make sense for you as an investor. You want a cash flow on day one. Perfect. That's okay. Some syndications may not cash flow on day one, but they provide an excellent tax advantage in terms of what we call a cost segregation study, where we do accelerated depreciation on the asset. And Mm. so we get a, a big negative um, negative return to be able to offset our, our positive cash that we received that year. Right. So for example, the last, the last couple of years, I haven't paid any federal tax because I use this accelerated depreciation technique through syndication to provide me with this negative return to offset my positive return. So now I don't pay any federal tax, which is great. And so that means something to some people, but not everybody. So there's different uh, different aspects of syndication. Another aspect is some people don't care about either depreciation or don't care about cash flow on day one. They just want to put their money in a safe place where it's going to appreciate over the next 10 years. So there may be some syndicators who purchase a building, know that over the next five years, they're going to do some what's called value add where they renovate the apartments. They'll go through and renovate all the apartments, take it from, say, a a class C building and bring it up to like a class B, B plus building. And so with that, over five, 10 years, they may buy the building at $5 million. It may be worth 15 or $20 million when Mm. they're done. You know, so there's a third uh, type of, 
uh, aspect when it comes to syndications. Uh, sometimes right. you can get a couple of these mixed in to the same syndication. So it all depends on the individual. There's not just one uh, one stop shop or one solution. It really comes back to the individual. If you're young, you may be looking for cash flow. If you're older, you may just be looking for wealth preservation, or mm. you may be looking for uh, tax deductions if you're older, right? Because you're right. older, you're making more money, you want to offset and be able to pay less federal tax. So there's there's a conversation that needs to be had there to be able to fit somebody with the right syndicator. That's why I'm not always the right syndicator for folks because I may have a building that's only cash flowing and they're like, gee, I don't really need the cash, which is great. God bless these people. They don't need the cash. They're looking for either appreciation for down the road in retirement or they're looking for depreciation to offset their taxes. Does that make right. sense? I, I hope. Yeah, I no, that, that that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, and where? So, if you're looking to go the syndication route, where does someone start? Is it you just Google syndicates, or? Uh... <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's that's one way to do it. That's one way to do it. What I like to do is, you know, there's a lot of syndicators um, who have YouTube channels. So okay. I would I would actually, uh, you know, search YouTube. And look for syndicators and see how they present themselves. Are they purely there to sell you something or are they truly there to help you, right? Mm. And educate you, right? I'll share right. one of the best syndicators I know out there is, is Kenny McElroy, right? MC okay. Companies, Kenny McElroy out of Scottsdale, Arizona, right? He, he is, uh, right, and he, so to speak, I, I won't say he's a competitor of mine because he's much, much larger than, than I probably ever will be, and, right. and that's okay, but he, is, he has his own YouTube channel. He's educating folks out there. It's not just like, you know, you know hey, you know, the rental market is great. Come, come give me your money. I mean, that's, that's not what I want to hear from a syndicator. I want to hear from a syndicator, somebody who knows what's going on in the market, why right. are we going? And Kenny understands this beautifully. Why are we trending towards a renter nation? Because mm. it's it's more than just an affordability uh, issue out there with housing. There's so many more factors driving us towards that renter nation. And Kenny gets it, right? So right. he sees that vision, you know, 10, 20 years down the road where what he buys today is going to be more valuable tomorrow. But it's more than just the cash flow of, of the building there's right, something going right. on in society and politics and geopolitically and yeah, yeah. So well let's much. let's talk a, a little bit about that i mean the conspiracy theorists will say okay this is all part of the klaus schwab world economic <laughs> forum you will own nothing and you'll be happy kind of thing um what what are what why are people opting to rent more than buy. We talked a little bit about the difficulty in getting financing and being in a position to to buy. Is that the main thing driving uh, renter nation, or what? What are some of the other forces? Yeah, so so that that is certainly one of them, right? The interest rates being high, and you know the amount of stock rent uh, um, uh, housing units on the market is half of what it should be. So right. there's a scarcity, right? There's a mm -hmm. scarcity. And whenever you have scarcity, like we do in the housing market right now, um, prices go up. It's just supply and demand, right? That's economics right. 101. Um, well, but why, just, is there, why is there scarcity, Tony? It seems to me there should be, I mean, it seemed like there was a big boom in building, um, I guess, before the 09 crash, maybe, maybe the, or, or short, around that time. Uh, it seemed like there was a glut and then there was a, a bunch of, you know, I, I, I just seemed like there was a lot of houses out there, like more houses than almost demand. Am I, am I wrong about that? Or, or Yeah. So, so one of the, the biggest factor is interest rates because interest rates were so long for uh, so low for so long. Right. What that is, is that took future demand right? I don't know if I can put it on the screen. Right. That, took, that took future demand and pulled it in. So people who may have been looking right. at, you know, gee, I'm going to buy a house in 2025, or I'm going to wait until I'm married in 2028 to buy a house. They looked like, at the market and they now. said, holy cow, I can get a mortgage for 2.75. Right. I'm, I'm silly not to buy a house. Now, maybe it was more than they like the total, like 
price of the house was more than they wanted to spend, but their monthly mortgage payment was would be lower because they got such a killer low interest rate on that home. So that pulled a lot of um, buyers into the market sooner. And so they consumed a lot of that that supply, okay? Um, and so now it's a matter of trying to refill that that pipeline with supply, uh, but there's uncertainty in the market. So these builders, uh, I see it down in Florida. Uh, we yeah. live in New Hampshire, but also Florida. So we see both markets, and you know we see um, um, builders in Florida just pulling back. They're not putting in as many foundations yeah. as they were even a year ago. Because there's uncertainty. Whenever there's uncertainty in the market, you know, it, it tends to gudge up a little bit. Yeah, that's uh, so there's true. this this supply and demand issue going on. But one of the things we look at in terms of being futuristic about why we're going more towards a renter nation to get into some of the other factors is uh, we, at least in the in the United States, we have this huge debt to GDP issue, right? Our our we spend as a as a government we spend more than the income we bring in mm. right mm -hmm. so our debt to gdp is 128% so not good <laughs> if right. that was your personal finances you'd yeah. be claiming bankruptcy right but because yeah. we're the good old us of a we get to print money uh, yeah. which is not a necessarily a good thing <laughs> uh, we know we know where that goes but anyway yeah. so we have this huge debt problem at the federal level, $33 trillion at the federal level, which means more and more of that income is going to pay interest payments on that debt. Okay. Right. More interest is being paid today. Well, what does that do? Well, that leaves less of that income available to go to the states and the cities and towns that need it for whatever programs, education, uh, welfare, uh, you know, different programs, transportation, infrastructure, less federal money will be available at the state and towns and city level. Well, okay. that money needs to be made up somehow. Those welfare programs will continue to run. Those education systems will need to continue to run. Those infrastructure programs in those states will need to continue to run. The money needs to come from somewhere. If it's not coming from the federal government, it's going to come from property owners because mm -hmm. one of the biggest sources of income at the city state level is property taxes. Right. So right now we have this housing affordability issue because housing prices are high. Okay. But you're going to see more and more news stories in the future about people not being able to afford homes because property taxes mm -hmm. are too high. Right. Interesting. I, I've experienced on my own properties. I have many properties and some have gone up. 28%, right? I have one building where it went from a $7,000 property tax to over $10,000 in property. And that's in one year. What happens wow. next year? Does it go from 10,000 to 14,000? I mean, you don't know. Right. Yeah. Uh, so that's going to become one of the next housing affordability issues is property tax. And that's one right. of the things, you know, so that's being futuristic, not looking at why we're rent -a nation today, but why we're going to be renter nation going forward, because people are going to be like, so sure, I can buy that house and maybe I can afford it at this interest rate. But what's the property tax? It's 7000 today and I can yeah. swing that. But what if it goes to 10000 next year and 14000 sure. My My income, my wages aren't increasing that fast. Right. So what do I do? Yeah. And what do you do? Right. Because, uh, you know, now now you're the landlord and um, you've got to pay these taxes. And can your renters afford uh, that much yeah. of a, a rental increase? Yeah. Um, so it, so it, it impacts rental owners less because we get to um, amortize that increase over many units. Right. Right. So, you know, yes, our rents are going up and it, it's it's a suck for renters. I get it. And we don't like to increase rents just to increase them. Uh, but when you get a, a big tax bill and you're amortizing it over many, many units, it's it's easier to swallow that pill. Sure. So I guess what I'm hearing from you is it's it's going to um you know, the, what, what we can see on the future. And this is, you know, this is going to be real fodder for conspiracy theorists, right? Because 
what you're telling me is essentially that that um, these ownership syndicates or just you know you you, you talk about the Bill Gates, the Black Rocks, the mm. all these um, these companies that are buying up real estate, uh, snapping it up. Um, the the environment favors them more than it does the single homeowner or the single renter, right? And so, um, you know, it, it almost sounds like all the conditions are right to drive people out of like single home ownership. And unless you're part of one of these big conglomerations or yeah. owning lots of, you know, it's kind of what I saw happen with farmland in my area, going mm. away from the kind of single family farms that were able to make, you know, produce and make a good living. Yeah. Now it, it, you have to have a co-op or, you know, in our area, we have a, a brand of Mennonites called the Hutterites, which are like, well, they're essentially little communist communes um, where everyone works these giant farms mm -hmm. and that's how they're able to make, no one can compete with them. And, and you have to have huge tracts of land in order to be, to make money as a farmer. And, and I'm hearing yeah. the same thing coming from ownership, yeah. uh, you know, and then, then you, you know, the other, you start to bring in aspects of, um, there, there are like elite at the global level talking about mm. uh, the benefits of being a renter always and never owning anything about just <laughs> letting big daddy government take care of all your needs and their buddies, the big corporations, uh, about 15 minute cities where we want to reduce your carbon yep. footprint and make sure you, you stay within yeah. your, the confines of where we, we deem it's allowable. It starts yeah. to sound pretty scary, Tony. Give, well, give us. Yeah, some... <laughs> Stockholm. I, I I think I just read th this morning that Stockholm uh, is uh, no longer going to allow diesel or gas powered vehicles into the city center starting wow. in 2025. Oh boy! Right. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, you you can see how <laughs> like. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but man, these guys are starting to sound kind of smart to me. But Tony, give you know we, we've been. I've, I'm gracious that you've given me this much time. Um, we're coming up on an hour. Like, leave us with a little bit of hope here, Tony. <laughs> yeah, that there, there's something on the horizon. Do we have to become the man to beat the man? Do we have to become? One of these big syndicates, or what, what? What is the hope for the little guy? No, I, I think, I, I think the hope is, uh, and and I, I like social media and and some of the things out there, but I also dread it to some degree. So we got to use what we have today for for good, and we got to look inward towards ourselves and say, what am I doing to move the needle for myself? not allowing somebody else to be responsible to move that needle. Okay. So we are responsible. We have to work for it. We have to go seek out that education. And with social media, man, it's beautiful. We connected because of social media, right? right. Th this is great. We can connect with virtually anyone we want because of social media and, and learn from them. Right. So uh, let's use these forces for, for good. And let's look inward to ourselves and say, how can we move the needle for ourselves? What is, what is our belief system? What are, what are our values? What's the goodness that we bring uh, to the world each and every day? What is the value? Like you were talking about, Tim, you know, what's the value? And, you know, I chat with a lot of people in, in terms of value. If you go to work and you do the same thing day after day after day, like Groundhog Day, right? We've all seen that movie. Yeah. And all you're doing is the same thing and you're not learning anything new, it's probably time for a change, right? Mm. And, and go and put yourself in a situation where you're going to learn something new and, and create more value for yourself. Because what you don't want to do is end up to be, you know, 40, 50, 60 years old. And all you know how to do, you're like a one trick pony, right? Right. You, you need to encourage yourself. Government's not going to do that. They're not going to force force you into that. You need to force yourself into that. You need to create a good community around yourself where people are going to uh, not push you down, not drag you down with a lot of negative uh, media and what's going on out there. You need people who are going to build you up and right. 
that's what I seek out. I go to conferences. I go to networking events. I listen to YouTubes. I talk to talk to smart guys like you, Tim, who who encourage me, who make me feel good and give me energy to go do yeah. something different. So that's what I share with people. There's a lot of hope and opportunity in just that. Don't wait for somebody else. Go seek it out yourself. I Take love action. that, Tony. What a great way to end it. Take personal responsibility. Guys, quit doom strolling on social yeah. media. Get together face-to-face -face with some, some people that are going to elevate you, that are doing good things in their own lives, that can yeah. teach you some things, that can that can teach you how to grab freedom in your own life without having to wait for old big brother government to, to do it for you. Uh, Tony, where can people find out more about your message and, and um, mm. that sort of thing? Well, they can find me on uh, on YouTube. I have my own YouTube channel called Dirty Boots Capital. You can find me there. I interview a lot of uh, rock stars in, in the real estate industry and just different folks who uh, are educators, right? It's not all real estate, but people who are out there truly trying to help people do better in their lives. So you can check me out there, Dirty Boots Capital. Uh, outside of that, if people want to reach me uh, directly, they can just shoot me an email, Tony Lopes at Dirty Boots Capital. Com. Awesome. And uh, folks, those links will be down below. Tony, once again, thanks so much. Enjoyed having you. And um, we may have to have you back on to do a live stream with some of my audience who are going to have a lot of questions, I'm sure, and, <laughs> and want to pick your brain about specifics uh, that, that I we haven't had a chance to get to. There's a lot more I could talk to you about too, about AI and yeah. all sorts of things. So thanks so much for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you, Tim. This this was a lot of fun. Thank you. Awesome. Appreciate it. Awesome. You betcha.